This is episode 220 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Control and Compound Financial. They teach real estate investors how to multiply their wealth using infinite banking strategies. For a complimentary wealth coaching session or to learn more, visit www.controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines. Welcome to episode 220 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today I've got Zach Wilms on the show and Zach is a business partner of mine on our campground uh, hospitality business, uh, which is growing. And uh, he's also just a, uh, a really good guy and a really accomplished real estate investor and entrepreneur. Uh, so I had him back for an interview. He was on the show a few years ago, I believe. I can't, I don't know the exact uh, episode number, but uh, we had a good chat then and we sort of just picked up where we left off, what he's up to. Uh, Zach's a higher minded guy. He's, uh, he's big on getting in rooms with people who are doing better than he is and growing and it's very, very evident from his results that uh, he's growing his mindset, he's growing his capabilities and competencies. Uh, he's been a great guy to work with on our business. And um, today was just a good chat. So one of the uh, main focuses of our conversation today is how Zach started in you know duplexes and triplexes in Hamilton and surrounding area. And now he is investing in a development in Tulum, Mexico. And uh, I really like to just demystify international investing and doing these bigger projects. Uh, at the end of the day, you're in the long run going to spend a similar amount of time doing a duplex burr as you will doing a larger development. Uh, it's all about finding the right team members, uh, putting the right pieces in place, and then rinsing and repeating. And I think my U.S. investing is a is a big testament to that, as I just have sold my first one um, and it's probably the least i've ever worked on a project almost certainly the least i've ever worked on a project uh, mainly i just had to make sure the money was there and the rest of it sort of has uh, uh, been taken care of by a good team this episode focuses on that um, you know not getting bogged down in headlines or hype uh, really focusing on what the facts are what the situation actually is being objective uh, and uh, really just crushing it out so it's great chat with zach um, couple of reminders. One is every month we have the GTA West REI meetup. Make sure you're in the Facebook group. That link is in the show notes for this episode. Um, again, it's happening monthly. We'd love to see you there. It's a good opportunity if you want to meet me and meet several other people in our network. Uh, make sure you're there. Uh, it's a great room of people. And uh, another thing I wanted to point out is if you're new to real estate investing or if you just want to hear about really awesome deals, uh, off-market deals, hear me talk about what's happening in the marketplace, check out REI Hot Seat. This is the sister channel to this one on YouTube. The link for that is also in the show notes for this episode. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode with Zach Wilms. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I've got my friend and business partner on the show, Zach Wilms. Zach, thanks for walking 30 feet. Yeah, uh, and sitting down on this couch. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, I say that tongue in cheek. Uh, obviously, we do a lot of stuff together uh, while our camp and now we're working on another one, which we haven't spilled the beans on just yet. Um, but uh, you're doing a million other things outside of that. And uh, I want to hear about it because I truly like when we do our business meetings, I don't really like I don't know what you're up to. Yeah. <laughs> I see the odd post. You travel more than most people I know. <laughs> and um but yeah, for anyone who hasn't heard you talk before, you were on the show and we were trying to figure out when this was, probably yeah. like 100 episodes ago, maybe. It's got to be, yeah, almost yeah. three years ago at this point. Yeah, so 
anyone who hasn't seen that, just give them uh, give them the rundown. What got you into real estate? What are you up to now? And what happened? Everything in between. Yeah, I guess the quick the quick story would be probably been in real estate now for seven years. Um, started off buying, you know, the single family home into the student rentals, the duplexes, the triplexes, the burrs, um, the six unit conversion. Really just fell in love with real estate and fell in love with kind of everything about it. I did a couple flips in my day, um, done some short term rentals, obviously doing short term rentals on a larger scale now with the campground. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, got my license about six years ago, really enjoyed selling real estate, um, but really wanted to focus on selling real estate for the investors and dealing with more of the commercial product than dealing with the more residential product. So made that made that a big focus probably two years ago where I just said, you know what? Mm-hmm. Now's the time to make my transition into commercial and really focus on working with investors and kind of niche down and get really, really good at that instead of just being that broad scale agent that kind of deals with a lot of different things. Um, Yeah. So actually, I do have a question for you on that. I mean, there are in our circles, there's a lot of people who focus in on investor focused real estate. Is there like a sub niche within that? Like, are you the development guy? Are you mixed use commercial multifamily? Like what's what's your sweet spot? Yeah, I would definitely say the sweet spot is multifamily, right? It's what I know the best. Yeah, definitely getting into the larger multifamily now. The small multifamily was my bread and butter, right? Doing that's what you started with, like the duplex conversion. Exactly, right? I think I've done three or four burrs now from inception to completion. So, I mean, knowing those numbers well and being able to talk to those numbers makes it a lot easier to actually help clients buy those properties. But now getting into the larger buildings, it's way more, you know, what's the most up and coming, you know, type of development happening right now. Yeah. Right. And to me, it's the larger buildings. To me, it's what I love. And to me, it's what I'm looking at every single day. Yeah. So the ones you did as birds, like what's the average size, like number of units? Usually they're always single family to either triplex or fourplex. Yeah. Because I think you were doing last time, you, I think we talked about a triplex with a garage, like um, yeah, six I stalls. Or still s- have that. Still with the six garages in the back. Six garages. Yeah. Well, huge. how big is your property to have that? It's, you know what? I don't know the exact square footage because it's an odd shape. It's like rectangular. Then at the back, it kind of extends like an L shape. Okay. So it, I don't know the exact square footage. But so it's pretty back, wide at the back though? Super wide at the back and it like yeah. backs onto a laneway. So it's like there's this like really interesting shaped property. Um, but there's six garages back there and I absolutely love that property. Still one of my favorites today. That must cash flow like a beast. It does cash flow very well. I actually increased the rents across the commercial garages recently as well. Um, just because they were all under rented. And it's one of those yeah. things where it's a lot easier in the commercial world to increase rents than it is in mm-hmm. residential. Because um, you're not dealing with the residential tenancy oh, yeah, act, just whatever, right? So it's the commercial tenancy act, which is way better for us. So, how did that come about? Like the was, the garage was already there, and you just needed yeah, the garages were already. Did you have there. to renovate it? No, nothing. I literally just bought it with the garages as in a place. triplex. It was a duplex on the main property with yeah. six garages in the back. Mm-hmm. So I literally just bought it, started operating it much better than what it was, um, and just continued to increase the cash. And flow is it over operating time. as a triplex now? It's operating as two units with six garage tenants. Oh, okay. So no, no, I thought it was a triplex. Yeah, okay. No triplex. Um, okay. So then what are you getting on average for those garages now? Right now we're talking about five, $600 a month per garage. Per, yeah. Who do you like, how do you find tenants for this? Just it's in honestly, very easy. There's because it's like, it is still downtown Hamilton. So there is yeah. a lack of storage storage and the garages, they're not garages. I mean, like these are like huge, huge sheds. Right. Okay. So you could drive cars into them. You could store, you know, upteen amount of things inside these garages. It's not just like your little 10 by 20. It's much, mm-hmm. much, much bigger than that. Very cool. Yeah. So, I mean, 
when you bought that like what price point were we talking when we bought that we were i think we were at 525,000 525 yeah so easily covering the mortgage then with the house oh easily and then everything on the garages are just pure gravy cash <laughs> i know yeah that's why i still say it's yeah. probably one of my favorite properties that bought yeah. maybe outside of so six times 500 yeah so, so that that property is what like four grand a month cash flow yeah we're, we're doing pretty good i mean there is expenses right like yeah. with any property but i think the yeah. cash flow is somewhere around like two thousand dollars and is that um was that uh commercially zoned or just pure residential no, still pure residential any issue um like tax planning wise with the commercial use or have you talked to your accountant about that or is he right now we're all just claiming it as residential income okay just residential yeah. income so you're not charging hst on that no, that's no not HST. okay no because it just uses like a storage space right yeah like for nobody residential can storage. operate business out of it yeah right like that's all in my lease you can't operate a business obviously like hazardous materials mm -hmm. and things like that so yeah. it's mostly just all residential cool yeah that's such a cool property i wouldn't I mind wouldn't mind one of those i'll bring you by one day yeah gotta check that one out okay so what else on the grand scale like I mean, you started with a lot of the the miscellaneous smaller projects you're yep. working up into. I know you've done some larger scale burrs on yep. on multifamilies as well. Uh, and then we were just talking off camera. You're doing something in Mexico. Correct. It sounds like so. Uh, yeah. Tell tell us about that. Yeah, I found my passion for traveling. Right, that was my big goal. So back in 2021, I left in January for nine months. Traveled to like 19 different countries. Um, just had an incredible experience. But the entire time I was traveling, I was always looking at real estate, right? Mm -hmm. You know, when you're addicted to something, you're always thinking about it. And I was going to these different countries, thinking about real estate, talking to realtors, talking to developers, and never really found something that just made sense. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't until late last year that I went down to Tulum, Mexico, and things just started to click. It made sense. I was looking at the economics. I was talking to realtors and developers, and you could just see a certain energy in that city that was happening. And I just wanted to be a part of it. Yeah. So we just actually locked up two pieces of land down there with inside of a master plan community. Um, I have a couple partners on that. And our idea is to basically build one villa to sell it to the market and then build one villa to keep it in short term mm -hmm. rental it. So, okay. It's official as of basically today. Very cool. Well, congrats. I think and Darren Voros was on here talking about doing something similar in Costa Rica. Yeah, exactly. And I think you're friends with him as well, 100%. right? He is definitely, yeah. I'll give him a shout out for that. He's yeah. definitely an inspiration behind that the model whole, like, the model yeah because yeah. you don't want to you don't want to try and get the financing right that's that's exactly. ultimately going to be your, your your hurdle right if if people think it's challenging in the states which it's actually not uh but it's new i can imagine it'd be very challenging with the language barrier and yeah and all that and i mean the options are very yeah. less like they're yeah. a lot less there's you know certain mortgages are there but it's like 65 percent loan to value and 10 percent interest right yeah. so you're at, you're at private rates so for us we're like if we can build a villa to sell it to make the profits the to fund it the other yeah. one and actually keep that then yeah. almost like doing a burr in yeah. mexico almost do you, have you dug into the tax treatment within their you know mexican corporations that if you roll that money um i don't know how like yeah they don't have like a 1031 yeah. exchange yeah like, something like yeah, that I, I wish they did yeah. they don't at this point um we are still working with our accounts to figure out what's the best way to basically hold the asset and obviously earn the income as well yeah um but at this point it's basically like if you keep the money in mexico you're not going to get taxes hard on it of course, because you're not bringing yeah. it back. 
Well, we were talking off camera and you were thinking about having the Mexican corporation owned by your Canadian corporation. Yeah. I mean, active income in Canadian corporations for the first 550, I think it is, is like yeah. super low compared to a lot of the rest of the world. Exactly. Uh, so that's that's obviously good if, we, you know, if and when you bring it back. I think your only issue would be that you're going to pay the corporate tax there first. In Mexico. And then pay it again here. Yeah. Could be worse, but if you leave it there and just let it grow. Yeah, it could be worse. Our idea probably is going to be to leave it down there for the most part and probably just reinvest mm -hmm. it back in Mexico. I'm also a big fan of the Mexican peso, not to switch, you know, topics to the currency. Oh, we're definitely going to talk about um, currency. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's a really good currency right now. Mexico is kind of perfectly situated for the industrial revolution that's happening where, you know, they're doing a lot less. The United States and Canada are buying a lot less from China and Asia and buying a lot more in Mexico. So they're building the products in Mexico and shipping from Mexico and actually making it cheaper than it is to go get in Asia. So I really Very like where the peso is at in kind of the whole geopolitical world and landscape right now. Yeah, well, let's just go ahead and talk about that because we're talking about Mexico right now. Let's, you know, why why Mexico to, to begin with? I mean, you said a lot of places you looked at didn't, yeah. didn't think that they made as much sense. I, I'm very much the same way. I was very hesitant to get into something new when I started seeing things here go in a way I didn't like. Uh, it took me a while before I settled on doing new construction in, in Florida, for instance. Yeah. You obviously saw a lot of a lot of stuff. Vibe was one of them. Numbers are another big part of it. Like, yeah. what are the numbers, you know, or what else was it that appealed? Yeah, the numbers were definitely there. I mean, the return on investment that we're getting is substantial enough to make it attractive mm -hmm. for, you know, for us to take the risk to invest into a different country. Yeah. Right. Because there was other countries I saw where I'm like, okay, we're making a decent return. But I'm like, I can get that in Canada for way less risk. Because mm -hmm. I know Canada like the back of my hand. Yeah, exactly. You're not right? going to invest somewhere else for the same return. Exactly. Unless you have a reason to want to invest in that place. Yeah, and yeah. there could be other reasons. Lifestyle, yeah. other things mm -hmm. like, right, other things that I thought about. But to me, Mexico was definitely the numbers. Um, I like how fast the government actually does what they say they're going to do. And I love how much they are trying to encourage tourism to the country. Yeah. Right. So they're doing things like the Mayan train. They're doing things like the Tulum airport. They're actively searching out ways to bring yeah. more tourism to their country. Okay. Right. Where I went to other countries and they were kind of like, we're happy about the tourism. So we're not going to really encourage it any more than what's already coming in. Mm -hmm. Right. Whereas Mexico's like full force, like they're investing billions of dollars into infrastructure, roads, trains, airports yeah. to help tourism come to the country. That's interesting. Now, obviously, the, the, there's the stereotype of, you know, Mexican yep. government corruption yep. uh, and the cartel running things. <laughs> those are just two of the the commonly held beliefs i think among most people but i'm curious like how do you feel about that how much of that is true uh, from what you've seen in that area and is that a concern are, are you just planning that you've got a certain amount of money set aside for greasing palms <laughs> uh bribing officials or is it just a lot more like here i would say the media obviously makes it look a lot worse than it is um, but it's also not bad to have cash on you at all times, just in case of any situation. <laughs> you get pulled over. <laughs> yeah. But from all the research we did and the people that we talked to, boots on the ground, everybody says, you know, yeah. the cartel and different groups leave people in real estate alone because you're attracting tourism to come to the city. Mm -hmm. And the tourists are basically the people that are keeping them in business, right? Yeah. They own all the tourist establishments. They own the beach clubs and the clubs, the restaurants. They're you know, want tourists to come there because the tourists spend the most money. Yeah. Right. So they still want to make it attractive for tourists. So they yeah. don't. That's why they make sure tourists are left alone. Right. Exactly. So they don't mess yeah. with tourists. Right. Unless you're obviously asking for trouble. I mean, you're going to find trouble anywhere. Yeah. Right. So they don't 
you know, kind of mess with our business in the real estate world. Um, but if you wanted to open up a restaurant and serve alcohol or something in that sense, that's where we've heard that they like to come in and just ask for money and things like that. Yeah. Well, basically, they do exactly what the government does. It's exactly. just another just tax. tax. Yeah. I mean, government's just another cartel, if we're, <laughs> if we're being honest. Uh, it's just another tax. Yeah, exactly. So you got the, the cartel tax. Yep. Okay. But you're not thinking that that's going to be an issue for you? No, for us, everyone we've talked to down there that's in the real estate world said that you guys don't have to worry, right? They really do leave people in real estate alone. They know Airbnb is happening and all of us investing money into their country is bringing more yeah, tourists bringing down the people there. there. Right. So it's like, okay, we're helping them almost in so, a bad way. <laughs> almost. I'll say that. Yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, I haven't really looked at, into what they're up to too much lately. Yeah. I've just heard things. Yeah. Um, so no one just jumps into a place like this without some references. Um, you know, whether it be people you know that were doing it, maybe it was Darren showing the boldness of doing <laughs> Costa Rica. Well, if you can do Costa Rica, I can do this because Costa Rica has problems too, yep. um, but also really good areas that are really desirable. Um, so, you know, did you know other people who were already doing this or was this just like three people with a lot of experience and and uh, gusto ready to, to do something new? It was definitely a little bit of both. Um, I know people that have bought real estate in Mexico, so we were able to have those conversations. Didn't know anybody that bought real estate in Tulum at that point. Um, but obviously spending some time with Darren down in Costa Rica helped understanding kind of, you know, some of the challenges that he had going through and buying property in different country, right? Some of the right questions to ask about buying property in a different country. Um, and then I've spent about three weeks down in Tulum. So you really get to know people down there. You really get a good chance mm -hmm. to talk to a lot of different realtors and developers, lawyers, and really just understand what it takes to actually pull this off. How's the English down there? actually fantastic so because it's touristy like exactly speak. yeah i mean you know our real estate agent we're working with down there he's from the uk one of the developers is from the uk the builders from mexico city that and they all speak perfect english i love i love stuff like this like because there's so many people who would listen to this and they're like oh, i could never do that i just want to buy my first duplex <laughs> and you're doing something that's like mystified and sort yeah. of demystifying it like there's a lot of hype people people live in fear uh, they, they live in the headlines. Big time. Um, like even I'm just posting an episode of REI Hot Seat tonight. By the time this airs, it'll be out. But I was talking about the the new strengthening uh, tenant rights in Ontario. Yeah, I know. As a headline sounds terrible. What they've actually done is almost meaningless to to an investor who's savvy. Like yep. it won't make a difference. No. Uh, but for the wrong people, it will make a difference. Like, you know, people who aren't paying attention. Um, I, you know, I get the sentiment. Obviously, Ontario is not very landlord friendly, so you know, not welcome <laughs> advice. But the key thing is, lesson: don't live in the headlines. Don't yep. live in in what you heard from somebody who knows somebody. Um, I think the best thing it boils down to is like, be careful who you're taking advice from. Exactly, and like, get boots on the ground, right? Yeah. Don't just trust what the media says. Go there and actually see it for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Trust your own eyes, right? Because, yeah. I mean, everybody has an agenda in what they Always. say, right? Every news organization, every politician, everything. Yeah. You know, it's all agenda driven. So, if, yeah, trust your own eyes. Go see things for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, I love this. So, what are you thinking? Like, first off, land price. What are you buying the land for? Yep. What are you planning to build? And what's that going to cost? So, we're purchasing the land for, they do everything in square meters, right? So it is well, technically so do we, but we just convert it. They, yeah, so they did. Convert. They fell for the metric thing, too. They did. <laughs> they, and they kept it. So square meters. So we're buying three hundred dollars a square meter um, and we bought for the land for the land. Yeah. Oh, OK. And we got eight hundred and fifty four square meters on the one and then nine hundred and fifty seven square meters on the other one. 
So I think on the 957, when I did the math, it was like 291,000 USD. You can correct me if I'm wrong. 291. Okay. So yeah, I was, uh, so 300 a square meter, you said on the one, square meter. which is how many square meters? Which is square feet, you mean? No, you said 300 per square meter. Yeah. And oh, how many square meters per square is meter, it? It was 957. 957. So that's like 287, 287 US dollars? US dollars. So they quote their prices in US dollars, not pesos? Yeah, all US dollars. Real, real estate's in US dollars. Oh, okay. When so you go to restaurants, else? everything else is in pesos. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, I think okay. it's just because the number would look too big, right? It's easier to see like the US dollar number than it is to yeah. see the peso number. I wonder if you actually close the, the, the transaction then in US dollars? You do, yeah. right? So the US. day you, you close, you have to convert into US dollars. The US, yeah. Interesting. So if it keeps going down. So if it keeps going down, yeah. And this is something we're going to talk about. Yeah. I don't want it to go down. I'd like to stay right where it is um, <laughs> for now until yeah. I sell and move money back. And then it can go down and I'll move money back down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 287 for one, roughly yeah. the same price for the other. Right. Um, so for context, 957 square meters times 10.7. That's approximately how many square feet yeah. are in a square meter. About 10,239 that's like a what a hundred by hundred would do that or you yeah. could have a yeah hundred by one hundred by hundred yeah just a nice yeah. big square is that what it is basically basically yeah. yeah okay so decent sized lot and you're gonna build what on that we're gonna build roughly a 6500 square foot villa converted it 6500 yeah. square foot because we've done a lot coverage and the lot coverage is about 30 percent of the lot coverage and then yeah and then two three stories. stories three, three stories? stories yeah okay. two stories with like a covered roof so your garage counts terrace. towards your coverage everything counts towards okay, the coverage and, and this is in as Mexico. of as of right yep uh so you don't need a zoning change or anything no like that. no zoning change nothing this yeah. is all approved with inside our master okay. plan community all right so you're saying six thousand and how many square feet about 6500 square 6, foot but again like you said that yeah. includes garage that includes your pool that includes like finished space outside as well that's all in that 6, that's 5, all in 6500 so the house might be let's call it like 4800 or 5000 okay. square feet and do you know what your total cost to build that is total cost of everything we we're roughly around that was another nine hundred and seventy thousand, because the cost per square foot is about 150 dollars usd Okay, and that's like all in cost. All in, and that's including the pool. But that's based on the six thousand or sixty five hundred. Yeah, okay. and that was supposed to be luxury, luxury grade. We got a couple other quotes. Somebody came yeah. in at like seventy dollars a square foot. One yeah. was at a hundred dollars a square foot. But we are, you know, within this villa, what we're trying to do is really hit yeah. the top of the market. You got to work with somebody who's going to do it right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. We're going to get stuff imported. We're going to make it look really, yeah. really nice because it has to for Airbnb as well. Right. Yeah. It has to for the designs, but it also has to on Airbnb. So it stands out against the rest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you want to crush. Okay. So I'm getting about 1.257 million US. Exactly. Yeah. And let's just assume you're doing the same thing basically twice. Yeah. Um, what are you selling that for? The one that you're going to sell? So conservatively, we're going to say 2.5 million. 2.5. Yeah. So. I think that's even. I think there's a really good chance we get over three million. When we were down there, we saw two different villas that had already yeah. sold for three and three point three. Yeah, we're closer to the beach, and I think we're gonna have a way better design. Okay, so assuming construction costs stay the same, yeah, you are basically gonna pay for one with the other. Exactly, and then you'll be net zero on there. Maybe have a few bucks left in your account to yep. cover some carrying costs. When you're all done, do you know what your property tax is gonna be on the one that you keep? 
property taxes are very very cheap in mexico super low like okay super like super a couple low. grand a year or? like yeah like laughable i think they said roughly yeah. it should be about two thousand dollars a year and no cartel tax no cartel tax okay and then insurance <laughs> you're gonna be you insurance know, was also very cheap i think it was like twenty five hundred dollars a year when we were doing the math plus two thousand so that and then you're gonna have maintenance and consumables and and a few other things like yeah. we could we could come up with a percentage but what what do you figure your revenue is going to be so we figure on airbnb we should be around three hundred thousand dollars and then yeah with an expense ratio you could use like 30, yeah 35 35 percent would be all your expenses would including taxes insurance and everything and management so. as well too yeah there. those three hundred thousand. so you're going to be keeping 65 percent of it yeah uh times 0.65 so when this is all done you're looking at keeping about one hundred and ninety-five thousand dollars a year u.s conservatively honestly that by 12 so yeah. that's a monthly cash flow 16250 no mortgage exactly <laughs> that, and again that this is going back to it yeah. where i'm like the numbers had to be so good for us to yeah. do this because it is in a different country and there is yeah. obviously risks included right where was my invite on this deal There's, there'll be more don't worry <laughs> we, we got two more lots coming so yeah that's a that's solid so maybe we'll take some of my florida profits and we'll shovel roll it in shovel something in so i mean that's the other question how cash intensive was it to do this so the greatest thing with this is the deposit for them were very cheap up front and they give you a longer term to come up with the remainder deposit so we're 30 percent down to firm up mm-hmm. and we need the remainder 70 percent when we start construction so you have to lump sum them up front lump sum 30 percent up front yeah and then you could either choose to pay monthly or you can just choose to wait until you start construction to close completely on the land okay so let's let's step back a second here so i'm looking at construction and land closing as separate you're saying you can do that all together yes so is the is the current owner of the land the constructor no we would be the constructor so you're going to be the constructor you're going to yeah. hire your own gc exactly okay so the land are you working out of vendor take back with the seller or anything like that no we just you basically have like the promissory agreement it's almost like an agreement for sale in mexico okay right so you put your 30 percent down with like an agreement to purchase when from the owner from the owner Oh, right. but the but while the owner still owns it, you start building it. Correct. You can, if you want to start construction, you have to close on the rest of the land. So you have to yeah. come up with the remainder seventy. Oh, okay. So up until you you put a shovel in the ground, exactly. Then so you, you can, can finish your close. Okay. Yeah. So our idea is yeah. we're gonna put the thirty percent down. We're gonna design these two beautiful villas, and we're mm-hmm. gonna post them both for sale. Right. Okay. And so we're you, likely gonna post them. And both you're gonna for try sale. and get a sale on on one of them. On one of them, yeah. Before you break ground. Correct. Okay. Correct. And then with that, are you going to try and secure a construction mortgage? We might, but I mean, if we sell it to the market, the market, you know, typically what somebody's going to do is, is they're going to put down deposit. 30% and we're just so going to use that to fund, fund that. right? So we're basically going to oh, be the man. middle person for that because yeah. what a lot of people don't want to do in Mexico is kind of do the dirty work, like what we've done, go down there, meet builders, meet contractors and like really get the team oh, yeah, set no up. One, everyone wants it just done for them. I found people, people exactly. don't have patience. You get paid for patience. I say that a lot. 100%. You really do, though. Like yeah. being willing to do construction, it's like you're just writing a post-dated check to yourself. Yep. Like that's how I look at, at pre-construction. I mean, granted, things can happen and it is a little uncomfortable. But I mean, I looked at flippers in Florida and they were making little peanuts. And then I looked <laughs> at the spread on the new construction. I'm like, why aren't more people doing this? Exactly. Well, and that's the first thing we saw with Mexico because the cost of construction so cheap. Mm-hmm. But when you're selling in the market, it's still not like... Yeah, these people want done. Yeah, people want done, right? Yeah. Or people want brand new and they're willing to pay done prices yeah. if it's going to be brand new and if it's going to be the way they want it. Because yeah. if they buy it at concept plan, there's still enough time that they could actually change the plans and like, oh, I want my 
master bedroom to be a little bit bigger or I want it to face east, not west, or they can still have the ability to change it at that point. Oh, so you're going to allow them to customize it a bit. Oh, that sounds not fun. (laughs) Not not fun, but I mean, worth it if they want to pay the $2.5 million. Yeah. So you'll, uh, you'll have your experiences with that one. That's not, uh, that's not a 100% awesome experience, but Hey, the money at the end of it and keeping it will hopefully make that all worthwhile. Make it worth the stress. Yeah. But that's a really, really cool project. What do you see? What do you see as like possible negative outcomes throughout the process uh, and what is what type of contingencies will you have, um, like, you know, dealing with your contractor and what they might do, what kind of risk exposure you take? Yeah, I would say the first ex- exit strategy we've thought about is like, what if this doesn't sell? Like, mm-hmm. what if we post up this beautiful villa and it doesn't sell and we basically just wasted 15000 on like designs, designs. and permits and yeah. everything? Because it's possible, right? Yeah. Um, the idea for us is we really just flip the land to somebody else, mm-hmm. right? We bought it at 300 square meter. Right now they're selling at 550 a square meter. Um, we're not oh. allowed to flip it until the project sold out. So they're, okay. I think they're like 42% sales. Um, but I mean, there's already a spread because we got in so early. Yeah. Right. So that's our first contingency. I mean, if we get into construction throughout the entire project, I mean, there is contracts. I know it's Mexico, but there is contracts. So there is going to be legalities throughout the entire process as well. Yeah. Right. So there obviously could be complications, but it would be yeah. no different than it's like here. What's the deal with with your general contractor there? How how do you pay them and how much and when? Like they all want a deposit and, you know, we all hate deposits. Yeah. You know me. <laughs> I know. Very, very similar to here, though. Like it's all up to negotiation. There's not like set in stone. Right. Yeah. It's kind of a negotiation with them. We'll pay them a deposit now. You wait for the next deposit and then yeah. they continue doing construction. But the builder that we found is very organized. He said everything's in an Excel spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. We updated every day. This was done. This was done. This is tomorrow. And he said they keep it very, very nice for us. Yeah. So And he speaks good English? Fantastic English. Where's he from? Is he native? Yeah, he's from Mexico City. So his family's been in construction yeah. his entire life. He's been in construction his entire life. Yeah. Speaks perfect English. Love it. But we love that. Yeah. I, I think construction, again, one of those things that people just mystify and yeah. think like, oh, it's over my head. No, it's not. Like, it's really not. Like, I'm not saying go be your own general contractor tomorrow. That's hard and not that rewarding sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hiring a general contractor, yeah, that this is, for me, one of the biggest risks in investing I ever took was giving that first deposit to the, yeah. to the general contractor in Florida. Because I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I specifically teach people not to do that. Um, so it was an educated risk. Yeah. And it's an exposure that I was willing. And I had a lot of references to to prove to myself why I could and should mm-hmm. um, just because of who this lady knew and how we were connected. So Makes that's big, right? Like, is this guy connected to anybody, you know, does he have anything to lose? Yeah, he definitely has a reputation to lose. Yeah. Um, we walked through multiple, multiple projects that he has on the go. We walked through some of the stuff that he's already completed. Um, he got mm-hmm. referred to us from two different people. Okay, he so he's done work online. for them. Yeah, yeah, he's done work for them. So, I mean, yeah. they were all super happy with the construction. Sure. We walked some of his current sites to see kind of what the construction project looks like. Yeah. And then we walked his actual house that he built in Tulum. And it was just incredible. Like jaw dropping. Wow. Like we got super, super excited, obviously, after yeah. seeing that. I like it, man. Like go yeah. go where the deals make sense. Like obviously there's a political climate. There's a tax. Um, yeah. There's tax knowledge you'll have to acquire. Uh, we were talking about this before we we jumped on camera here, but 
it sounds like, I mean, Mexico is similar to the states and that like, they have states. Um, I, I've heard that they have a very similar constitution. I've never done any research on this. Uh, <laughs> but, it, you know, we even talked about the, the, the tax rate for corporations yeah. in, in wherever you're investing. Is it state by state? You have to form a corporation in that state of Mexico? So don't quote me yeah. on this as well. Because you haven't set formed your structures yet, right? No, exactly. Yeah. And I've only looked into yeah. Loom. I haven't actually. Yeah. So in. you're looking, you're saying it's like. 28% or something like that. Yeah. Which is like, what it is in Florida. Yeah. They, yeah. they were quoting us 21%. Okay. Um, but again, it's very similar. If you have the corporation, you can have a huge amount of write-offs. Like you can mm-hmm. write off the entire construction of the project. Yeah. Right. So course. there's obviously a lot of write-offs to do. Yeah. Things. Yeah. So, so assume you're just going to get taxed on your, your profit. Yeah. And um, then you take that money and you can um, keep on rolling. Now that's the one thing, like you're going to sell one to keep the other. You're going to hope you have enough money to pay the taxes. So you're not a little shortfall and coming out of pocket yeah. on that one. And if we've got to come up with a little bit extra yeah. money, I mean, like you said, even in the Airbnb, if you're yeah. making $200,000 a year, hopefully that's enough after one well, year 16, to recoup 16000 US coming back into your account. And I'm being conservative. Month. I'm being conservative because when you look on AirDNA, there's yeah. literally like 17 villas right now over five bedrooms in Tulum. And none of them are close to the yeah. beach. Everything's like kind of in town. If you've ever, you've been to Tulum, right? No. Have you? Okay. Well, there's two different cities. There's like the town and there's like the beach. Okay. And everything is in town. Nothing's really close to the beach other than the beach clubs. Yeah. Like our development's 900 meters away from the beach. It's like the closest development that you can Super get to. Super cool. So, I mean, I'm hoping that that also helps us get a higher price, but yeah, I mean, time will tell. How's Tulum compared to like a place like Nassara in Costa Rica? Oh man, it's tough. Like Nassara is very like yoga-y, like kind of community. Yeah. I mean, Tulum has that side of it. Yeah. Like it it's literally has that part of Tulum, which is very yoga centric, which is very about meditation and yeah. healing and everything else. But it also has more like the party side. It has the business side. It has more, it just has more going on, right? Yeah. Nosara, so more, yeah. Nassara is very quiet little Exactly. Village. Right. After 10 o'clock, yeah. it kind of quiets down. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. Where Tulum, I'm pretty sure you can find a party at any time of the night. Yeah, so if you want that little mix, you got it there. It has a good balance, yeah. right? To me, I always like the balance, and it has a really nice mm-hmm. balance of both worlds. Oh, man, that's so cool. Yeah. So is nice this spot. this is where your focus is um, right now? Um, are, like, are there other main, like, focus pieces? I know what we're doing together. Yeah. Obviously, that's a piece of your focus right now, uh, especially with summer coming up, and we're building out our hospitality uh, empire, yeah, which that, is summer. <laughs> that's my that's my main focus. Yeah. Like, Tulum was my fun, but then coming yeah. back here and the business that we got going on, that's yeah. going to be my main focus for the next couple of months. Yeah, yeah, and we're, uh, I don't know how much I'll give away on what we're doing, but <laughs> so our partnership group, we're kind of, scheming about our hospitality empire and what we're going to do and, yeah. and how big we're going to grow. And I see it more as like, yes, we've started in Tobermore. We started with the campground and we've got more stuff on the way. Um, but I also see a potential to expand provincially, mm-hmm. interprovincially, and then also internationally. would love to. Because we're both already doing international investing. Yeah. Like I'm so big on you go where the deals make sense. Like within your own competencies yep. you can't expand outside of your competencies but if you have the ability and you can get you know help in different areas like we know so many people and that's the beautiful thing about our network mm-hmm. like for instance spencer and ashley have been on this show they know how to manage airbnbs so yep. like you know just even having their insights on things is so helpful oh big time yeah and their model too where they get boots on the ground in different cities and stuff like that i gotta have them back on the show to yeah. share kind of what they're up to lately yeah you should They're yeah. great. So, Zach, I wanted to shift gears into um, talking about 
what the heck's going on in the world? Because <laughs> what I don't remember where we were at last time. I think it was like lockdowns <clears throat> were started. And, I think so. Yeah, but uh, I'd have to go back and watch that episode. So um, talk to me a bit. Like I know you're into Bitcoin investing. I'm obviously <laughs> not. Um, I don't like fiat, but we can agree to disagree on some yeah. of that. But yeah. um, I think we both agree that there's a lot, both currencies, Canada, U.S., there's some weird stuff happening. Give me Very your synopsis of, of what you're seeing happening. Yeah, I mean, I've always, you know, ever since I learned more about crypto, I've always thought that they, it has its space in the world, right? It has its space in my portfolio and it has its space, maybe not today, but in someday mm -hmm. for everybody out there. And I, the real reason is you just cannot print more than what its already locked value is. With it's Bitcoin pro, With specifically. Bitcoin specifically, it's a programmable yeah, unless it's asset. Dogecoin, which... Yeah, we're not talking <laughs> about all the other ones, right? Like, And that's the thing. These other coins, you know, take the heat, right? Yeah. But Bitcoin at its true, true, true core, just a programmable asset and has a strict amount yeah. and it can never be messed with. Nobody can ever come in and increase it, decrease it. It's just yeah. set in stone. And yeah. I just love that. The only counter to it, I would say... Um, I mean, well, not only, but one major counter is I think the technology is kind of cool, like the idea of blockchain and yep. that like every party must agree <laughs> to yep. what a transaction was. But with that comes no privacy because your wallet can't truly be private if every other wallet needs to agree on what happened in yep. your wallet, right? Fair enough. So there must be a way that they can find out who you are, right? You can't truly be incognito like you can with real physical you know, gold coins or no, you can't you or, can't. or fiat cash. And this is interesting yeah. that you bring that up though, because some people are like, well, all the criminals use crypto and it's like, well, they shouldn't be using crypto because you could never be truly private in crypto. Yeah. You can this always... is why I don't think cash is actually any go ever going anywhere because the cartel will always want cash. Exactly. And you know, they probably know some people in government. I'm assuming that they do. <laughs> and they probably got to know <laughs> one or two people. Hey, hang on. We're going to still have to have some cash. Yeah. Right. I don't yeah. know. That's why it's funny that you argue that point because yeah. some people argue it the opposite way and say, well, isn't yeah. all the criminals using crypto? And it doesn't make sense because... Well, but the government doesn't it's traceable. truly want to catch criminals. Then. Yeah. <laughs> right? if you, not all. If you, if you mean, want something not traceable, cash yeah. is the only thing that's not traceable. Yeah, yeah, no 100%. Well, yeah, I mean, you could goes. do gold coins. But, it, you know, one of the things I even found with that is like, um, so I had uh, some gold coins go missing on me, which was super frustrating. Um, you know, I filed a police report. I was when I was down in, in Florida. I found out. So, um, anyways, I I uh, returned. Well, I, I cashed out some of the other ones I had there. Yeah. And um, they, you know, they take your ID. So, like, oh, yeah. cash is the only true anonymous. I mean, you can trade gold coins between people, and they're probably not going to ID it. But if you want anonymity, um, we're going to need something physical that we can trade with each other. Yeah. Even eggs. <laughs> After going up, some, what did they go up? Eighty percent? Yeah, eighty percent. Like wild, man! If you got some some grass-fed, free-range eggs, um, I haven't eaten an egg in like six years, but I almost want to get some chickens to uh, start selling I some. I went away on a trip, and then I come back, and everybody's like, "Yeah, eggs are the best performing asset of, <laughs> of the year." And I'm like, "What? Eggs? <laughs> Couldn't believe it." Yeah, yeah. So um, obviously, there's you know, there's a lot of hype with Bitcoin now. Yeah. You know, it, it had a previous high, it come down, but now with with um, all these different countries coming off of U.S. dollar for like buying oil or trading, uh, it's going to drop the demand for U.S. dollar. Um, here's the interesting conundrum, and I'd like to get your take. Like okay. U.S. dollar has been propped up by the fact that everybody trades using it. You know, Mexican real yeah. estate's using U.S. dollar. Yeah, exactly. When will that come off? Will it? Um, as that changes, demand for the dollar goes down. Theoretically, the dollar should become worth less. Canada 
does not have that same circumstance. Mm -hmm. Canada, we've got uh, a dollar that is just what it is. And I think a lot of our policy kind of keeps us sub the US dollar. Yep. Do you see a change in the near future where maybe the Canadian dollar will become worth more than the US dollar? Can I see it happening? I mean, it's possible. Mm -hmm. And I think it's only possible because mainly just because of emotions, yeah. right? Because the US dollar right now, if you look in the news, is just getting beaten everywhere you look. Right. They yeah. talk about bricks. Everyone's talking about getting away yeah. from the US dollar. Yeah. There's never any every single of day the Canadian dollar. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, well, but no one's no one's trading in the Canadian dollar. That's, what I mean. that's my point. Like Canadian dollar is where it is based on, you know, current interest rates yep. and bond yields, uh, current level of trade and export. Yep. Like um, that's not really going to change much. So granted, we're you know, we, we value ourselves against the US dollar. But if the US dollar were to come down, I mean, for one, I just look at it as a buying opportunity. If it does happen, yeah. well, I guess we'll get some discount real estate at that point in yeah. time. Like I'm always thinking cost averaging <laughs> like, <laughs> and you can't stop for fear of those things. No, of course not. And, you know, is the US dollar going to go to zero? Probably not. Right. They're no. too powerful to allow that to happen. Well, there's still the media and influence culture of the world. Yeah. Right. Like no matter what, they shape the entire world's media. The eyes are always like I shouldn't say always, but for a very long time. It, they're going to be on the US. Yeah, like exactly. it doesn't matter if they people stop trading in their dollar. Like it's still like the land of opportunity. It's still seen as, yep. as one of the freest places on this earth. Uh so yeah, it's like it, it's in this is what this is what creates most debates I have with people on this show is <laughs> like there's two sides. There, yeah. There's two sides and who knows where you land. I don't think anybody really knows, right? Yeah. Nobody's got the magic ball, but but it's kind of like a race to the bottom between those two currencies anyway, right? Like, I mean, what Canada's done in the money printing and U.S. has done the same. Um, like, it's, both are going to fall. Like, and, and part of me thinks, well, they'll fall in unison. And then the, part of, the other part of me is looking at the fact that, well, Canada never had the whole thing where the whole world trades in their dollar. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's why I just mean I think there's less FUD about Canada than there yeah. is about the U.S. Yeah. dollar. So the U.S. dollar could see that rap, rapid yeah. decline only because of the media and how it's portrayed in all these other countries. Where it's Canada, nobody cares about us. You know, we're up north. It's true. We're kind of off on our own. Like you said, we're doing our own thing. We got GDP going. We got yeah. people using our currency, but not nearly to the levels that they do with the U.S. Mm -hmm. So I just think we kind of, you know, are off in the distance where nobody's really too concerned about us. It's true. not a bad place to be. Not a bad place to be, um, I suppose. It could be worse. I mean, obviously, we have our own inflation issue. Like, it'll be yeah. so interesting to see what happens in the future. Like, what you know, how barter pops up. I think like a ton of opportunities actually coming for people who um, can produce things. Like, because you're going to start to see things just get so expensive, it's silly that you're going to see people say, "Well, I, I've got some stuff I can make that." Yeah. And I think there's going to be a lot more people kind of making their own thing. Some unique opportunities maybe within there. Yeah, it's going to yeah, create opportunities. Middle. Yeah. So knowing kind of what's happening in the world last few years, yep. um, obviously Mexico's uh, on your your hot list. Um, do you see yourself doing more there? Uh, are you looking at the U.S. as well? Like what what countries, based on the whole geopolitical um, circumstance, are appealing to you now? Yeah, I absolutely love Mexico. Right in terms of what we're talking about here, with the currency being really strong. I think the United States is something I want to explore more. I was saying that to somebody the other day. I don't think I've been back to the U.S. with a real estate investing focused mindset since I kind of got into this whole business. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to go back down there now knowing what I know and really just explore what different opportunities are down there. Weren't you just in Nashville like last year? That was again, not, <laughs> not for real estate, right? That was, you know, for, yeah. for different reasons. So I want to go yeah. down there on more like a real estate focused yeah. type of trip. To really see what kind of opportunities are down there because i see a lot of people going down there obviously you're down there 
and it obviously is intriguing. So I think that would be kind of the next spot I would take a look at. I hadn't looked in a while. I looked yesterday and like, oh, boom, every single day we're getting like a thousand bucks. Yeah, exactly. It's um, fantastic. I like when that starts happening uh, in the spring. And um, we've obviously, so this is a decent time to kind of talk about what we've done yeah. and uh, and kind of created. So last year we started, we bought the camp in, well, 2021, November, first season. We didn't have a whole season because we were late to the yep. late to the Very start. Tough. Like we were, you know, it was setting up our booking systems, getting photos and, you know, glamping was a whole new thing. So it's like yep. starting a new business, uh, half season. This is our first full season uh, coming up. And uh, the big difference here is we were taking reservations in what January we were yeah. getting reservations. Some directly first booking was probably the first week of January. Yeah, and that we didn't open it up until then. Yeah. Um, so we've we've started getting you know we're on the multiple platforms like yep. Booking.com, Airbnb, and then direct through our website Grotto Getaway. Um, for anyone who's not familiar with it, it's glamping. So it's tents. We have these big 16 foot diameter yep. tents with queen beds in them. Uh, decorated uh, to the nines uh, in a really picturesque setting. Uh, we've got our glamping trailers, which we're expanding. So that's another big thing we're mm -hmm. doing this year, um, acquiring trailers and also exploring the opportunity to JV with people with really cool, unique trailers yeah. to put them on our site. So if you're listening to this and you think you've got a cool, unique trailer, uh, pitch it to us and we can work out a JV on it um, where we manage it and you know put it on the site and and it could work out really well. Yeah, it could be a good little side cash for somebody who's, you know, not yeah. looking to use their trailer a lot this year and maybe yeah. wants to travel and not actually use it. Just talk to us and let's do a JV this year. Well, and there could be a, you know, we could work something out where you get a, a weekend, yeah. you know, or two, uh, depending on the circumstance. So, yeah, definitely somebody listening to that, you want to uh, pitch it to us, by all means, please do. Like, we're the key thing is unique. Like, yeah. everything, like, take a look at our website, grottogetaway.com. Um, we're trying to stay away from just like a typical branded trailer. Like mm -hmm. we're, we're really trying to go for, this is truly unique and memorable. Yeah. Uh, like something you're not, you're not going to see this just anywhere. Something you feel like you want to post on Instagram yeah. and tell your friends about and yeah. get them all to come to Grotto Getaway. So let's give people an idea of what it looks like, like what one of our trailers look like. Uh, if we're, you know, from, a, from an investor standpoint, uh, like last year, I'm thinking in our numbers, I think our best trailer did like 18,000 on yeah. a short season. On a short season, yeah. yeah. I, I think the earliest we had a trailer up and running might have been like the week before Canada Day. I think we had the Terry up and running. Yeah, so, so it was I mean, late. An even shorter season than even yeah. the tents had, right? So yeah. I, I've been talking to people about twenty-five to like $30,000, kind of like... So that's a potential. And, that's and a potential. we will see, right? Because you couldn't, even if you had a comparable, yeah. this is Tobermory. Like you won't necessarily have a glamping comparable in Tobermory yeah. with a unique trailer. And, and in our world, no two trailers are alike. Yeah. Um, so everything's, you know, it's got to be figured out. Uh, as we go but yep. uh key thing is is we've got the really cool spot the really cool views and we'll make them look really good so we've bought some new ones we're renovating them right now we're getting into you know buying stuff around i think the last the first two are like 12 grand or something 14 yep. something like 12, that 13 000. and uh obviously plus hst uh but we're a registrant so we get all that back um and then we're renovating we're probably looking at about 20 grand on these yep and if they did i mean this is the challenge these are going to launch a little late too uh, but say they did a full season at 30, that's 100% ROI. I know. See, it's a fantastic model. Yeah. And Jake and I broke down uh, the tents on one of our REI hot seat episodes. And 
it's like insane ROI. It's it's like even even more than 100%. Yeah. But the thing I like about the trailers, and I like to have a balance, and I'm sure you could probably agree, is like salvage value. Like these trailers are saleable as For they sure. are. Like, I mean, the tents, what's the salvage value there? Right? Not much. <laughs> Nothing. I don't, I don't, maybe a couple dollars, but these yeah. trailers are actually going to have some weight behind them as well. Oh, yeah. Too. You could just, you know, we could just put them up for sale. Somebody could yeah. take them away. So the nice thing with the tents is they pay back really quick. Yeah. Uh, the lumber is the most expensive part of it. Yeah. It's, it's the deck. Which at least uh, is down compared to where it was last year. Yeah. So it's come down a bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, last year we were into about seven grand a deck. Uh, so we ended up, you know, 11 grand per tent set up, uh, but super cool. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how uh, how this year goes. Um, like to be transparent with the audience and just kind of tell them like what we're doing. I'd love yeah. it for you to come stay with us. Absolutely. Um, you know, I would. I wish we had a. Can we do like a code? If somebody's listening to this episode, if you start a code, then I can figure out a way to Let, put the code. What, out what do we want to make the code? It's like a special discount for somebody who's listening to this episode who wants to come um, stay with us. It would work through our website, would it? Yep, I can put it through the website. Yeah. So Zach handles this, as you can tell. Uh, so we'll call it uh, what AH podcast. Yeah, make it simple for me. AH podcast. Okay, so yeah, if you use the letters. code, all capital AH podcast, Zach, I'll get that up and running, yeah. and we'll do what, what's what discount do we want to do. You could say a fifteen percent discount. Yeah, fifteen percent discount for listening to this podcast. We'll keep this active for at least a month or two. Yeah, um, for people who are listening to this a little bit late. Uh, but yeah, we'd love to host you. Come stay with us. Um, I think you'll like it. I think you'll love it. I think you'll love it. Yeah. Okay. Zach, anything else you would want to comment on what we've done, your takeaways from it? Like, have you learned something new from it? Yeah. yeah. I I would say probably my favorite takeaway with this property is I love, you know, we get some really interesting guests coming out there and you see the messages come back and forth on Airbnb and we get a lot of people having like their anniversary up there. We see a lot of people having honeymoons up there and it just feels so cool to be a part of that experience with somebody. Um, and I know me and you talked about this the other day. I would love for us to expand into like the wedding type of venue yeah. as well too, right? So somebody could come up there and actually host their entire wedding there. And yeah. we would help them with that. And we would have enough trailers and enough tents that we could maybe comfortably sleep like 75 people mm-hmm. and then have them bring up their yeah. own tents and trailers. And then I just think it would be such a cool venue for something like that and just a very unique experience. And everybody I talk to that's getting married or thinking about getting married, the cost of these wedding venues are just it's outrageous a, that's one of the also, businesses i've wanted to get into yeah for and a they're while. booking out like three years in advance so i'm yeah. like if we could make this a win-win situation so that's cheaper for them to come up there yeah. and have their wedding out there in the summertime it's going to be stunning or even in the yeah. fall so the pictures the on the main we have this like private laneway for those who haven't been there and where all our glamping tents are and like it it reminds me of pictures that i did at my wedding yeah like, you know you yeah, hold hands walking down it and there's trees over and it's all shaded and yeah. it's like it's it's very picturesque. So I think you got the photo element uh, there. I've been wanting to get into that business ever since I got married because I'm like, holy crap, people spend a lot of money on <laughs> <Wow>. weddings. <Yeah. laughs> like the money's there. So uh, a big thing I'm thinking about and I've talked about this on the podcast a lot is. I'm always looking for additional ways to monetize as I think you are too. Like what else could we do to not just think inside the box, but, but expand the box Mm -hmm. think outside the box. Um, and developing, we've talked about potentially being able to sever land off of it. We, we have 90 acres. So, you know, there's a land severance opportunity. There's, um, repurposing multiple venues. We could potentially look at zoning changes down the road. Uh, the new one we're looking at has a more beneficial zone that we can use and also has land, um, so the opportunity to grow, it's just about putting in the time Yeah, and like even just growing with our glamping, we have 70 
bylaw approved sites. So like that's a lot of room to grow. A lot of room to grow. Like right now yeah. for our glamping business, we're what we're gonna be up to like probably twenty sites used yep, 20, out of 25. the seventy. Some you know, so there's still room uh, to grow. And like I think a big takeaway for me on this is um, really honing in on property that has added potential. Mm-hmm. And for sure, I want to make sure that properties I buy from here on in are are that way because I want to yep. scale. And the thing I notice about like when you do the small burrs, not that there's anything wrong with them, it's just it's like the same amount of time as doing a big burr. Yeah, they're a lot of time consuming, right? Yeah. And and I think what I also love about our campground too is it is a full-blown business, right? It's not just yeah. real estate. And I think the more that I continue to grow in real estate, the more I also just fall in love with business. Yeah, and I just like owning businesses as much as I like owning real estate. Yeah. Um, and I just love all the intricacies that we've been through, even just as a partnership. Yeah, well, I mean, we have full-time employees and, and yep. we were just talking about how I want to have somebody full-time in our business year-round. Um, push, you know, project managing, pushing, you know, if we're working on developing uh, our, our land, uh, mm-hmm. pushing that forward, pushing other initiatives forward so we exactly. can keep growing. And um, that's why we got to scale out the empire. I know. <laughs> to be to be determined. To be determined and continued. And continued. Um, to yeah. Continued. So, uh, Zach, anything else you would want to share with our audience? Uh, we're not going to share the new site yet. We're going to keep the new site under wraps. Yeah, we gotta we gotta have right, a we gotta have a special reveal for that right, one. Special reveal for the new site. Yeah, we got something coming. It's gonna be awesome. Stay tuned. Make sure you're following Zach and I on Instagram, following this podcast, and I'll talk about it. Uh, Zach, on that note, where do people find you? Yeah, Instagram is probably the best at Zach Wilms Z A C W I L L M S. The best way. Reach out awesome. to me. And then uh, words of wisdom, obviously, like you're, uh, you know, for me to summarize what I take of you, like you're obviously very obsessed with. Um, personal improvement, development, yep. um, growing mindset, like you're masterminding with with really smart, intelligent, capable, experienced, accomplished um, people. Yep. Um, you know, anything you would add as a takeaway of like people who want to take it to the next level, they've been playing in that smaller space and they want to they want to scale. Yeah, it's going to sound cliche, man. But when you talk about these masterminds and when you talk about the different groups I'm a part of, always just try to be the small fish right in a room full of big fish. Yeah. Right. Surround yourself with people that are just doing bigger, better things that just know more yeah. about the business than, you know, it's it's super cliche, yeah. but I'm telling you right now, there's a reason why people say it so often. Oh, yeah. Right. And it's so, so, so true. Even hearing people come to our mastermind and speak who are like light years ahead of us, they all say the exact same thing, too. They pay to get in rooms of people that know more than they know yeah. about business and life. Just hang out with them. Yeah. Hang out with them. And the amount of little yeah. nuggets you're going to get are just it's life-changing. That's why I'm, I'm willing to pay for coaching myself. Like I'm willing to do these things because exactly. like, and would, would, what do you look at that? Like, would, would you look at like a really accomplished coach that you pay as being equivalent to that? Or you would rather just get in the room with multiple people who are doing it and just giving back? It really depends where you're at in life. Yeah. Um, for me in my life, I wanted to be in the room full of people for the different opportunities that come from there. Um, my partners in Tulum are also from those types of rooms. Yeah. Right. Like that. I, I like those types of partnerships. Yeah. Cause see, you're all thinking the same way. You're all willing exactly. to invest in your own personal growth. Exactly. I mean, that's, I look at the biggest thing, like our mastermind, for instance, that I hosted, um, one of the biggest things about it was, and we told all our attendees was like, you're sort of applying a filter mm-hmm. because anyone who's not that serious about doing this didn't pay the ticket to get here. For sure. And, uh, with the mastermind you're doing, I know there's a ticket attached to that. And um, it, it just forces you to get into a room full of people who are serious. Yeah. And forces you to take it more seriously. Yeah. Right. Same thing with coaching. Like I've done free coaching before, 
But I think if you pay for coaching no, you or you pay. pay for masterminds, yeah. there's a certain level of you that's like, oh, I got to get something out of this. Yeah. So I'm going to put more energy and effort into yeah. it so that I can find what I'm getting out of this. And if you want your coach to take it seriously, pay them. Otherwise, they're not going to take it seriously. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what can you really expect? So, uh, Zach, great, uh, great doing this because we don't really do these casual chats yeah, I know. very often. It's always so down to business, which <laughs> I, uh, you know, which is good and and uh, not at the same time. Um, obviously, I'm guilty of a lot of this because of being a, a dad, new dad, and you know, it's hard. Yeah, it's all good. But uh, getting we'll my getting time. my feet under me. But there yeah, let's uh, let's get out and golf this uh, this summer. Sounds and, good. And uh, we'll teach go me there. a few things. Yeah, we'll see. All right, Zach, good seeing you. Awesome, good seeing you too, Catch man. Catch you on the next one. Yep. There are a lot of people out there talking about the infinite banking strategy and whether or not it makes sense for them. To find out what it's all about and if it's a fit for you, visit controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines, where my audience can gain exclusive access to books, podcasts, and webinars tailor-made for real estate investors.